It's true that some things change as we get older. But if you're a woman over 40 and you're dealing with insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, and weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. And with MIDI Health, you can get help and stop pushing through it alone. The experts at MIDI understand that all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes that happen around menopause. And MIDI can help you feel more like yourself again. Many healthcare providers aren't trained to treat or even recognize menopause symptoms. MIDI clinicians are menopause experts. They're dedicated to providing safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions for dozens of hormonal symptoms, not just hot flashes. Most importantly, they're covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. You deserve to feel great. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, over prohibited by law, 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It's the beginning of a new and excitingly different story. Mixed martial arts. We seem to be experiencing evolution. MMA evolution. MMA evolution. MMA evolution. It's MMA Evolution on the Sure Dog Radio Network. Here are your hosts, TJ DeSantis and Caleb Quinn. Happy Sunday morning slash Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday, whenever you listen to this on podcast. It's MMA Evolution. Hey, everybody. I'm TJ DeSantis along with Caleb Quinn. Uh, as I mentioned, on a Sunday morning as we record, I'm not all that chipper. Uh, I had some fillings done yesterday. Uh, I, I don't know what's wrong with my mouth. Like... Fillings are not supposed to be a big deal, but every time I go to the dentist, I come home and I lay in bed and I don't want to move for days. And today is uh, no different, but we're here and we appreciate you uh, inserting us into your life. Mr. Quinn, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. I haven't had any crazy dental work or anything happen to me. Yeah, that's a problem. I haven't even had any crazy dental work done to like two fillings. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Apparently I have TMJ. Which apparently everyone has TMJ. That that's just like your whatever mandible joint in your uh, jaw. But when it gets uh, inflamed and is in pain, they call it TMJ. Uh, apparently, I'm grinding my teeth at night. So uh, uh, I for sure have that. Uh, I don't know what's been going on, but people have been throwing rear naked chokes across my jaw lately. <laughs> oh yeah, I, I feel like I definitely have that. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's not fun. That is not fun at all. Um, it's been only a week since I've last seen you, and uh, it's been an eternity, it feels like. I, I need spring break. I know you're a teacher. Do you get spring break coming up? Is that a thing? Yeah, it's coming up, I think, April 10th through the 14th, so it's still a little ways out for us. Perfect time for you to do your taxes. Get well, what's crazy is that like in Vegas, it's, it's so different from Minnesota. And I remember in Minnesota, when spring break would come, it would still be winter outside, right, Yeah. whereas it's almost summer right now by Minnesota standards in Vegas. Like it was, I think, 75 yesterday and Sunday. Yeah. Uh, I'm headed to Kansas City here in two weeks. And let me just tell you, before we get 
into crazy MMA conversation, uh, you know, the banter segment of MMA Evolution. Um, I never really traveled very much growing up. And, and if we did travel, it was like to remote locations of Minnesota, right? Like it wasn't like we'd go duck hunting. We wouldn't go down to Kansas City or over to Wisconsin or Iowa or anything like that. Um, but going to Kansas City the last couple of years uh, that I've been working with Invicta, um, it's about six hours, seven hours south of Minneapolis and St. Paul. Um, the weather is completely different. Like when it's like minus four degrees in Minneapolis, it's like 20 degrees in Kansas City. And to some people, that might not sound like a huge difference if you're not, uh, you know, uh, a hardened Midwesterner or a Northerner of this great world or country. Uh, minus four to, to 20 doesn't sound crazy. Let me tell you, it's paradise. And <clears throat> I love Kansas City because Kansas City has all the wonderful um, down-to-earth homey vibes uh, of the Midwest for me with none of the terrible weather. Like, don't get me wrong, they have ice storms and whatnot, but, like, I'm talking terrible weather. Like, it's 40 degrees below with the wind chill, and if your car breaks down and your cell phone is dead, uh, as long as you're uh, not in a populated area, you might die. Oh, yeah, yeah. And I've seen, as a science teacher, I've seen a lot of cool things and videos and stuff of people in Minnesota just kind of demonstrating how cold it is by throwing boiling water in the air and watching it turn to snow or or watching things freeze instantly. Yeah. It's it's just a whole different world. I actually I talked to my sister yesterday and I was sitting outside at a softball game and she was like, "Yeah, it's been pretty nice here." And I was like, "Oh, really? How what's it like?" And she was like, "You know, 30s or 40s." And I was like, "Oh my god." <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm I'm sitting here next to a guy in tank tops and his shorts and in flip-flops. And, and you're telling me it's nice at 30s or 40s. Yeah, we drove to the mountains uh, and went sledding with Oliver a few weeks ago, and it was 45 degrees. But because we were surrounded by snow, I was dying. I was I was just, not, I mean, my Midwesterner card is gone. It's absolutely not existent. And um, yeah, Oliver gets down to like, it gets down to like 59 degrees, and Oliver's like, it's cold. How like, cold Man. do you think it was after EBI? Like when I stood out there for an hour or whatever, like I was chilled I to the bone. I know. You needed like a hot cup of soup and a blanket. Um, probably 45. That's crazy. Between I mean, 45 granted, and like 50. we're not dressed for it, you know, like I was right. still dressed for like nice warm. Yeah, you came you came to California thinking it was going to be California and instead you got like Portland. Yeah. Yeah. I was I was so cold. Yeah. <laughs> like I remember when you were like, "Hey, let's go get something to eat." I was pretty much just like, "I just need to go home and like get into a hot shower and like right. warm my core body temperature." It is it's funny how that works because I mean, when I met you, I drove a convertible and if it was 50 degrees, like literally 1 degree more than 49, if it was 50 degrees, the top had to be down. That was the rule. And even if you had to wear a stocking cap and a hoodie, that was the rule. At 50 degrees, I need to wear a stocking cap and a hoodie, even if I'm not traveling down the road at 70 miles an hour. It's terrible. Yeah, that was part of my plan of EBI. Like, I brought cash so that I could get a 10th Planet hoodie. I was all excited for it. And then the time came, and there was absolutely no hoodies for sale. Yeah, um, it's kind of a bum out. But uh, it's warm now. It's like, uh, I think it got up to like 91 on Friday. So, uh, But I just went outside. Uh, moved around a little bit before we got on the radio and uh 
Yeah, it's like upper 40s, and I'm just terribly cold. But what are you going to do? It is what it is. Um, we're obviously going to talk about Vitor Belfort and Calvin Gastelum here uh, in, in a second, but I, I want to tell you what has happened. And we talked a little bit about this on Beaton After the Bell last week, but yesterday my phone just started blowing up. I got uh, tweets, Facebook messages, all sorts of stuff, because Floyd Mayweather said that in June he wants to... Uh, have an exhibition, I guess. I, I refuse to call it a fight because it's not a fight. But he wants to box Conor McGregor. Um, and the world comes alive with this. And it, it must be an odd feeling to know that you can say something in passing or tweet something in 140 characters or less and start the internet on fire. Make ESPN put a ticker a notification that said, you said, quote-unquote, whatever. And mm-hmm. Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor have that power. I uh, The only reason I'm personally talking about this is because people that... Like, th- this is the sort of thing where um, Facebook is, is interesting because I'm friends with a lot of people on Facebook that... I don't want to say that we're not friends, but... Um, we wouldn't be friends without Facebook. Like we wouldn't be in touch with one another without Facebook. And because I'm on Facebook, these people are tangentially in my life via text when something goes from the niche world of combat sports that I live in to their mainstream, <clears throat> excuse me, um, daily lives and for whatever reason, all of a sudden I start getting Facebook messages going, what do you know about this? Is this true? And because uh, my father always said that, like, because he was a biker and had, you know, a beard and tattoos that people would ask him, hey, do you know so and so? He's a biker like you, like they're like they're part of the same company and they work in the same division. Um, people just reach out to me and ask me like what Conor McGregor thinks and feels because clearly he fights in the UFC and I cover mixed martial arts so therefore i know conor mcgregor's deep intimate hopes and dreams um and i get these questions like you know what does conor want to do and i'm like i I think conor wants to make a lot of money well i feel like you have uh you're more of an insider than where your dad just kind of had the appearance that oh okay you might be in the same crowd like you legitimately have had information before it was even released like weeks before it was released about All kinds of stuff. And so I I can see their point having a little more validity than just, hey, you look like one guy that I know. You must be related. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's true. But but the questions that I'm asked are like questions that like not even like I'd have to be Conor McGregor's friend. Like, what do you think Conor's going to do? I don't know what Conor's going to do. I have no idea. But it's so bizarre to me how many people want to see or at least want to talk about Floyd versus Connor when I couldn't I couldn't care less. I really couldn't care less. Um, see, that's the problem is like as an MMA fan and like a strictly an MMA fan, you don't you don't really appreciate or understand how great Floyd Mayweather is. That's not true. That's not true at all. He's a fan I mean he's fantastic. He's one of the more elusive counter strikers 
um, that combat sports has ever seen, and he does it he so is well. The greatest sure. boxer of all time. Sure, like great. hands down, undeniably great. the greatest boxer of all time. Great, but that's like m- me saying, I wonder what Usain Bolt can do skating. Yeah. I don't want to see that Usain. Would be kind of interesting. Well, I don't want to see Usain Bolt play hockey. I'd watch it on Break.com. You know, I'd watch. I'd watch a video clip of him like skate. That's it. I wouldn't pay money for it. Just like I wouldn't see, wouldn't pay money to watch Conor McGregor box. I'd, I'd pay money to see Floyd Mayweather fight, like in a mixed martial arts bout. I'd, I'd do that for sure. And see, it, that's just bias. That's just like, it's not bias. It's not bias. You won't pay for Conor McGregor exactly. to box, and but I'll you t- will pay for Mayweather to do MMA. I'll tell you exactly that's, that's why. Like just the opposite. No, disagree. I'll tell you exactly why. Conor McGregor, when you take away his skills. His spinning kicks, his ability to fight in a mixed martial arts bout, four-ounce gloves, octagon, etc. Um, largely, I know what the end result is. Floyd? Floyd has a chance to beat Connor in an MMA fight. An honest-to-goodness chance. He has four-ounce gloves. Um, he's, he's a fantastic striker. One of the best strikers we've ever seen. Um, he could put that together. I mean, see Ray, Ray Mercer versus Tim Sylvia. Okay, that is an upset. They were supposed to box, and then the fight got moved to an MMA fight, and Ray Mercer knocked out Tim Sylvia. Um, Crazy business. Uh, I I would much rather see Floyd test his skills in the MMA space than Conor test his skills in the boxing space because when Conor boxes, you take away weapons. When Floyd does mixed martial arts, you don't take away anything. There's nothing that you take away from Floyd. But you take everything away from Connor. And again, I'm not saying that this should happen, that, that Floyd needs to make concessions, because Floyd doesn't need Connor. Floyd doesn't need this fight. Does Connor need this fight? I mean, it would help. I don't think he needs it. Does MMA need this fight? No. I don't think so. Does boxing? No. I don't think so. I, I would disagree with almost the all three of the la- well actually all three of the last things that you said. All right, start with number one. Uh, first thing, Connor does need this fight, uh, regardless Why? of how much money he's making from the UFC right now. Uh-huh. He will make legitimately probably ten times as much if he boxes Floyd Mayweather. Do you know what the word "need" like, means? What's that? Do you know what the word "need" means? Yes. So so Connor McGregor needs this to be okay. Yeah. He's not going to be he a rich man. Fight. It's, He's it's not going to be a rich man fight. for the rest of his life if he doesn't fight like, Floyd I mean, Mayweather. He could never fight in the UFC again. He could get a job at Circle K, find some roommates. He doesn't need the UFC in that sense. But, I mean, if we're going to go to extremes, I suppose I could agree with that. But the fact is, he's never going to see a payday like this in MMA. Um, what would his payday be for this? Uh, because Dana I, White I, says he'll give him $25 million. I think Conor McGregor can make $25 million from an MMA fight. When? When? Yeah. A whole bunch of things that are not disclosed that you don't know about. Well, I mean, that's also assuming that all those not disclosed things aren't happening in boxing. Like, oh, yeah. he doesn't have any sponsorship money. Oh, he doesn't get any bonus money. Oh, they're not going to... I mean, even if this goes down between, like, uh, money promotions or Mayweather promotions and the UFC as a joint venture, I guarantee he still gets taken care of. Sure. And the UFC... I mean, if this happens, let's be honest, the UFC will be a joint venture. The UFC owns the rights to Conor McGregor's combat life, okay? Um, 
Connor doesn't need this though, Caleb. Connor can go fight. Connor can go fight George St. Pierre and make twenty million dollars. Connor can fight anybody, honestly, anybody make tens of millions of dollars. Possibly, I mean, but if he fights Floyd Mayweather, it's guaranteed. Okay, again, on the one hand, you use that like, word oh, again. He's totally going to make the biggest payday ever by you, by by tenfold in MMA. Doesn't matter who he fights. Not true. Use that word again. Fights, but if he goes and fights Floyd Mayweather, can we just say box, please? Can we box Floyd Mayweather. He's not going to fight Floyd Mayweather. He's going to box Floyd Mayweather. When you get into a heated debate with your wife, does she call it a debate? Uh, no. She tells me to stop worrying about stupid things because I argue things like a lawyer and the wording of things like box versus fight. Yeah, I do that as well. Yeah. But I guarantee you, when you get into a fight with your wife, there are no punches thrown, no submissions applied. It's still a fight. What is a fight to you? Combat sports. What is a fight to you? Is a boxing match a fight? See, I, I, I used to feel sort of the same way that you do. And actually, on any given day, I might feel the way that you do. But because I'm, I'm just in the culture so much more, that sure. it's like, yeah, when, when I have people going to EBI and they refer to it as a fight. Not a I fight. understand that it's, it has different rules, but yeah, when they are going to have a kickboxing match, it's still a fight. Uh, MMA, even amateur MMA, still a fight. Pancration rules, still a fight. It, like I, I kind of, that term has definitely been made more broad sure. due to the different styles of fights that have been gaining popularity. Now, someone can go back and find an EBI card that I've commentated where I call things a fight. Um, so I, I can't say that I have a hard stance on what is and what isn't a fight. But I, I do have a hard time looking at Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor boxing and having the end result be an example of who the better fighter is. Because I'm sorry, this is not the case. We don't find out who the better fighter is when Floyd Mayweather and Conor McGregor box. Just like you don't find out the, who out the better fighter is when two gentlemen grapple. Um, it's, it's just, I don't know. And then people are going to say, well, you don't really find who the better fighter is in an MMA fight because there's rules involved. You know, what if it was on the street? Now that's a fight. I'm like, no, that's, that's a crime. They aren't fighters in the well, street. They're well, assailants. Just to, to clarify, if there was a fight on the street, uh -huh. even even a consensual fight in, in many states, that's fine. But there are environmental factors that would play a role in the decision of or in the outcome of fights. Right. Uh, however, with like MMA, there there are rules. And you know, if you look at how the how the world of MMA was playing out prior to the addition of rounds, referee standups, the takeaway of headbutts, and all this stuff. You had entirely different sort of like breed of fighters that were finding success, you know, and then they implemented these rules and suddenly things change. You know, we talked about it a little bit before EBI uh, brought in their combat jujitsu, mm -hmm. how much that little rule change could really change things. Right. And, and it's kind of the same thing. If you remember in Pride when they allowed knees for the first time, where I think four of the 10 fights ended with knees on the ground. Right. Yeah. Um, I love knees on the ground, by the way. Please bring those back. Minnesota did it for all those years. Come on. You can do it. 
Um, I, it, it's, it's a semantical argument. It's one that is perfect for radio. It's one that draws the ire of listeners. Some people support me. Some people um, vigorously will debate me, send me emails. Uh, it's good. This is, this is one of those ESPN Monday morning quarterback type of conversations that you see on SportsCenter. Um, with that in mind, I don't want this to be all about a fight versus a boxing match, etc. The reason I bring it up is because we won't learn anything. Like, I feel like every time that there is an athletic competition, the result that we get at the end should tell us something. Floyd Mayweather boxing Conor McGregor will not tell us anything. And it will push Floyd Mayweather to 50-0, cementing his place as the greatest boxer of all time. And it's shambolic in a lot of ways. Like, why would you want to be 50-0 against a guy who's never boxed? That's like me getting excited about, uh, I'm the best jujitsu player in my neighborhood. Because I tapped out a bunch of dudes who don't know how to do anything. That wouldn't make me the best jujitsu player. See, I, I feel like you're you're just making it too simplistic and you're you're ignoring the narrative, you know? It's like the narrative is if, money. If they build this correctly, they're gonna have this because MMA has like been a giant surge in popularity. It's totally taken over boxing. It's killed boxing. And this is Floyd's chance to defend boxing. And this is uh, McGregor's chance to really represent MMA as this new breed of things. And it's like, you know what? Yeah, you box, but I also box. I also do all these other things, and I have movement. And if, if just imagine, even if, if it was just a fluke punch, if Conor McGregor won that fight, the world would be turned upside down. What if, just imagine if that happened. What, what, I mean, what would happen? What happens? Floyd Mayweather's legacy is destroyed. International superstar instantly. He's already an international superstar. He's not even close. Not even close to what he would be if he beat Floyd Mayweather. You have to remember, Floyd Mayweather is undefeated in 49 fights. There's not a single legit MMA fighter who can claim that. There's not a single legit boxer who can claim that besides Floyd Mayweather. He has never lost. He he has never been dropped. He he is like the greatest. The other day I had the local news representative in my classroom and he was reading to my class and part of the moral of the book was that, you know, nobody's perfect and anybody can win on any given day. And I was in the back of the room and I was like, except Floyd Mayweather, because Floyd Mayweather is perfect. Like what he's done is probably never going to be replicated. Even Conor McGregor doesn't have a flawless record, but Floyd Mayweather does. You could have been 49-0 and in mixed martial arts in the Midwest circa 2001 if you were just very picky. I mean, shit, Jason Reinhardt got pretty close. Oh, yeah, Josh Neer was 99-1. and However, that wasn't when he was fighting legit world competition. Of course, that is true, and, and I don't want to take anything away from Floyd. Floyd has gotten in there. Uh, again, I'm not the biggest boxing head in the world, but from my outsider standpoint, uh, he hasn't ran from anybody really, right? Like... The whole Pacquiao-Mayweather thing, that wasn't really on either gentleman, right? Like, the fact that it took so long, that was more on promoters. I know you can lean a little bit. I think that Floyd maybe delayed it a bit longer, but uh, I think largely it was out of their hands, was it not? Well, if you're going to say that it had something to do with Floyd, then you also have to say for the last, was it three years, GSP has been hiding from every single competitor out there. 
because the the big point was he wanted Pacquiao to be drug tested like not not just regularly but like completely throughout the entire training camp leading right. up to the fight everything every drop of urine every drop of urine in your training camp needs to be tested I, I think it was actually blood that he was after but right. yeah oh man you know that's one thing that I never thought that I would do in my radio career is spend as much time on the air talking about blood and urine as much as I have when it comes to mixed martial arts and, and performance enhancing uh, drugs and tests and whatnot. It's it's crazy. Uh, all right, so let's table this this Mayweather McGregor nonsense for a little while longer. Um, wait, 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 wait. Oh, wait, wait, oh, wait. oh okay. Go ahead, uh, go I ahead. also, because there was a couple things that you said where oh, that's you right, said sorry. that the UFC doesn't need this and boxing doesn't need this. This well, the UFC would is the, open the okay. UFC up huge. Let me say this. Every, every, every place in the, every sports bar in the world, mm. well, I shouldn't say the world, at least in the United States, would be showing this fight. Yeah, yeah, but nearly every sports bar, nearly every sports bar in this country that shows events is shown at UFC already. They're not breaking down barriers and, and getting into places they've never been before. Um, I think that they would. But no, they, they've already be been there, Caleb. They would. Again, I don't think that, I mean, maybe there are a handful of anomalies out there, but if, if there is a bar that is showing um, live sporting events, you'd be hard-pressed to find a bar that hasn't shown a UFC pay-per-view at some point. Uh, Ronda Rousey, Brock Lesnar, and Conor McGregor already have broken down those doors. Um, and I don't think that many were remaining uh, when Conor came into the spotlight. Uh, See, I feel like, I don't know, you don't you don't get out enough because there most places will only show the big fights. Sure. Only, only yeah, correct. Fights. Only the big fights. And this would be only the big fight. They're not going to go ahead and show... Conor McGregor and Floyd Mayweather box and then make sure that the next UFC that is not the best card in the world that features, I don't know, Kelvin Gastelum fighting Derek Brunson or whomever. They're not going to make sure that they show that because Conor McGregor fought. No, but you're still missing it. What it's am I missing? Be, this is, they'll, they'll, show, or they'll show Mayweather fights at like a Buffalo Wild Wings. Yeah. They don't show just any old boxing match. Okay, so, so that's for boxing. That isn't for the UFC. God damn it. If you would let me finish, I could connect all the dots. Now for you sound you, like my like, wife. I just can't. I can't. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, so, yes, boxing does need this because it's going to be the biggest fight really in the foreseeable future for boxing. Like it's and, and that's from like a everyone standpoint, not just the boxing purists. So everyone's going to want to see this from that. That is also going to get them looking at Conor McGregor, even if it's a, in an I told you so type fashion. It's going to have that boxing crowd coming out for an MMA fighter. So now they'll at least maybe check it out. So it'll boost up the ratings of boxing for sure. It might breathe some life into it for sure. And especially if they built a really good undercard, which is something that, that boxing really hasn't done. Uh, and then it's just I like I live in Vegas. It's it's an entirely different thing to like live here versus like watch a pay-per-view on TV. When Floyd Mayweather would fight, this city would shut down. Yeah. Like it was like the UFC doesn't even compare. You can see videos of like Irish fans down on the strip singing and stuff. That's nothing compared to when Mayweather would fight. It was insane. Like it's it, it's like if you remember back when uh you lived in smaller town Minnesota and they would have like the fair 
and everyone would go there and yeah. like no one would be anywhere else. It was like a ghost town throughout right. the rest of the city. Yeah. That's what it would be like here. Like there would be so many people coming into town. Everyone would be talking about it. Even up like North Las Vegas, down in Henderson, every sports bar would be playing it. Like every sports bar would be packed because yeah. the strip would be packed with people from out of town. All the, all the locals would have to go to the kind of the outskirts of town. It would, yeah. It's, it's like the state it's fair. It's really, just, really, really big deal. It's like the Mayweather Super Bowl. Fights. It's like the Super Bowl. You can just go up to anybody and be like, hey, where are you watching the game tonight? It's yeah, not, are 100%. you watching the game? Who do you think is going to win? It's just like, it's a it's a foregone conclusion that everyone's going to be in front of their television. No, I, I get it. Um, we were talking about the UFC. The UFC needs this. I think the UFC needs this from a dollars and cents point. Like, like the promotion needs it. The sport of MMA, I don't think needs it. Um, I don't know. I, I think, you know, it's honest, honestly uh, a bit funny because I'm, I'm kind of poo-pooing the idea like I'm not super interested in it but I will tell you um, for what I do on this radio show and for this website it's great for my career not not personally but it's great for the industry that I work in if it were to happen um, I, I, I just I don't know I just don't I'm not super excited about it it just doesn't doesn't really mean much to me um, but I, again Neither here nor there. Are are you uh are you done? I don't want to be uh riling your your uh or ruffling your feathers here at all because uh, I think you legitimately got upset at me. And I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I've ever heard you get that way with <laughs> you me. No, no. You just kept cutting me off, and I was like, like you had three. I had three points to make, and I wasn't even getting through one. And you right. were like, cut me off, cut me off, cut me off. But, I was like, just settle down for a second. Let me get this out there. Your points don't further my argument. So why do I want to listen to them? dick that's how debates work i know i know that that, that was that was said to be a joke but maybe i'm and i'll also throw this in there too i feel like vegas needs that fight uh if it were to take place in new york or something like that uh that that's great you know madison square garden or something that's great yeah but but vegas needs that fight i mean vegas vegas's economy needs that fight here's here's what you're hitting on and this is why this fight i mean if if this fight needed to happen for any reason uh, it's the fact that everybody makes money. Everybody. Uh, SureDog.com makes money on that fight. You know? I mean, people are going to hit up everywhere uh, when it comes to MMA uh, to find out more information about Connor and, and, and vice versa about Floyd and, and, and the hype and who said this and when did they say it, how did they say it, what was the tone, what's the narrative. Let me see the press conference photo gallery. Let me get video interviews. I want to hear, I want to see, I want to feel even if I'm not there. If I am there, I got to get on an airplane. I, I, I got to get a hotel. I want to buy a ticket. I got to eat. Like, whatever city. Like, I, I love uh, I love economics. And I'm, I'm not a dollars and cents guy from the standpoint of, like, I don't understand uh, how it all works and how you figure it out. But when there are stats that say the Super Bowl brings this city X amount of dollars, and it goes all the way from... Um, you know, parking ramps to hotels to restaurants, like all that stuff is really, really unique. And, and I would love to see a stat on how much money is truly generated for everyone on a Floyd Mayweather versus Conor McGregor bout in the city that it's in. Like, who really makes money? Who stands to make the most money? Um, and, and how, I mean, I don't even know what you would uh, charge uh, 
for a ticket for Floyd and Connor. I don't if it was in Vegas. I mean, the biggest stadium is is uh, T-Mobile, T-Mobile right so it's got to be there. Um, I mean, how many people? Do you know how many people uh, can sit in the University of Nevada Las Vegas football stadium? Because like this would be an event that if you have a thirty or forty thousand seat arena in Vegas, no, 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 it's not even close. Like T-Mobile's way bigger than the football arena or yeah. the football stadium. Yeah. That's impressive to me. How many people come watch play football? Nobody? Do you not have a stadium? Maybe it's just like bleachers. No, I don't know. we do, but like I've been inside both and like it doesn't have like the upper decks, you know, uh, like God, it's a bowl. Yeah. Like uh, it's, it's definitely smaller. UNLV, UNLV football stadium. I'm trying to, but they have been talking about building a stadium for the Raiders. Yeah. And so that's, that's a possibility as well. But I don't know if the turnaround by June would be. Oh no, fast no, no! Your like football, that. your football stadium has way more seats than T-Mobile. Uh, Forty thousand people can sit in uh, in Sam Boyd Stadium. You can't put forty thousand people in the T-Mobile Arena. Check that. Check that. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, you, like, there's no way T-Mobile Arena seats forty thousand people. T-Mobile Arena. It's probably eighteen thousand. Uh, T-Mobile Arena capacity is maxing out at 20,000. There's got to be some type of something's not right there. It doesn't No, the right. T-Mobile Arena is an NHL-sized arena, which is generally I, I know, between 18 and 20,000. Like, I've been to both uh-huh. and are you and thinking UNLV plays football is not it doesn't it's not that big. I think you're thinking that I'm talking about like uh, Thomas and Mac Center. No, no, not Tom and Thomas and Mac. I've been there too. That's where they have like the submission grappling and stuff. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, uh, football. Like that's the thing too. You got to think that they can put a bunch of people on the the floor, the football field as well. Oh uh, well, maybe. Well, I don't. Man, T-Mobile seems a lot bigger. It seems a lot bigger. But it's an arena. It's not a stadium. Yeah. I just, I don't feel like it was that big when I was there. Like, I really didn't feel like it was just this massive, like, well, that's, like, that's not like that's, the, that's, the Metrodome. That's, like, yeah, not well, that big. Here's the thing about the Metrodome and T Mobile Arena and, and different places is the Metrodome was built in 1982. Um, and, it was a dump. It was a dump when they built it, and it's even more of a dump um, when compared to modern stadiums. Uh, T-Mobile Arena probably doesn't feel that small or that big to a certain extent from the standpoint of like, it doesn't feel like the Metrodome because you can probably see everywhere. You're, there's no obstructed sight lines, etc. You can probably be pretty far away, but still have a good view of whatever. You know what I mean? And... Um, like the Metrodome felt like you were watching a baseball game in someone's basement. And if you sat in certain areas, you couldn't see certain things. I mean, I remember sitting up in the upper deck at the Metrodome. And if there was a fly ball hit to the warning track, you weren't going to be able to tell if the ball was caught or went over the fence because you couldn't see that part of the field. Um, so I don't know. 20,000 uh, in T-Mobile for boxing and MMA. Uh, when you get hockey in there, it's going to be 17,500. 
uh, concerts twenty or twelve to twenty thousand. Um, so there you go. This I have, this is the first time I've actually seen photos of the like the concourse and whatnot. This mm-hmm. place looks beautiful. Oh, it's incredible. The uh, the best stadium I've ever been to, and I'm sure you've been there as well. Not stadium, it's the wrong word. The best arena I've ever been to. Maybe there's a bit of a hometown bias here, but the XL Energy Center in St. Paul is my favorite arena that I've ever been to. And there's a lot of things that, uh, and th- I mean, that arena now is 17 years old. I can't believe that the XL is almost 20 years old. Um, but this T-Mobile arena looks like a nicer incarnation of the XL Energy Center. So, yeah, love it. Uh, what else are we going to talk about? I, I know we're going to talk about Belfort and, and Gastelum. Um, went down last evening, Fort Delays of Brazil. Calvin Gastelum gets the former UFC light heavyweight champion out of there. Um, I, I still don't know what to say about Calvin. I mean, a couple, a couple big wins for him now at middleweight. Uh, he defeated Tim Kennedy last time out. Now he gets past Vitor Belfort. Um, he got hit a couple times, which, I mean, wasn't out of the realm of possibility, but I, I still wasn't blown away. With Kelvin Gastelum, uh, I'm not, and that that's not an indictment on Kelvin at all. I think that's just my overall opinion of Vitor Belfort at this point. Um, I really do want to see Kelvin fight. Eve Edwards in the post-fight show was bringing up some really good points. I would like to see Kelvin fight a more imposing middleweight, someone that is significantly bigger than he is. Vitor was bigger than him, no doubt, but I want to see him fight. Someone with the stature of a Jacare or um, uh, Yoel Romero. Obviously, those are the, the the tippy top middleweights in the world. But I, I, I'm not sold on the fact that Kelvin Gastelum can get past guys that are you know walking at 220 pounds. Uh, Kelvin, I don't know what he walks at, um, but I mean, if this guy could make 170 pounds, we'd never be talking about him fighting at middleweight. He doesn't look like a middleweight competitor. Um, you know, he's very solid and, and thick, but to me, his, his frame is still very much that of a 170 pound fighter. Yeah. He has a great chin. Like that's, that's one thing. Like, I, I don't think we see him getting knocked out, but when he fought Vitor Belfort, like, what did he have to worry about? He has to worry about the left hand, the right, right. hand, maybe some kicks. Mm-hmm. But uh, Vitor's not going to be able to take him down. Vitor's right. probably not going to try to take him no, down. No, and, and Kelvin's better on the floor than Vitor is. Like The fact that anybody really has a lot of respect for Vitor's uh, jiu-jitsu game, I think is a bit uh, narrow-sighted. Like, uh, what he did to Joe Charles, like which essentially was a worked bout, uh, that was a long time ago. And, and it wasn't that great. And the other accomplishment that Vitor Belfort had in his entire career when it came to the floor is, well, he almost armbarred John Jones. Mm-hmm. That's it. Yeah. And, and so I feel like he had a good game plan coming in. He knows that he has a solid chin. We saw that again last night. And really, like what was interesting about him is that he was just throwing basically one and two. Yeah. You know, it was like just jab cross step to the side, jab, cross, and that was enough to get the job done. Yeah, his his left you know? hand was on point. Uh, he had a ni- nice jab opening it up as well. Um, yeah, I uh, I liked what I saw from Kelvin. I just don't feel like any answers um, were received. You know, Well, he was a 4-1 to one favorite, and yeah. I think it showed last night. 
So, yeah, he, he definitely needs a, a, a step up in competition. Edson Barboza. How about that? I loved it. I loved it. And, and the cool thing about this, and they didn't really talk about this in the post-fight show, was he ate that jab. Yeah. And then... Oh, he like, was losing. He still, like, popped up with it. Like, it was... Yeah. Like, the, to be able to see that coming and know it was going to happen, and, and still, like, like, he had just literally been punched in the face, but he still executed. Yeah. That was incredible. Edson Barboza is a fighter that, if he doesn't put together a run and go to the UFC... Um, title stage at any point in his career. It doesn't matter because this dude is a, a guy that I would pay to watch fight any day of the week. Uh, put him anywhere on a card. Don't care. Um, he, he is a highlight reel, and he adds another clip to an already impressive highlight reel. What he did to Terry Edom back in the day, ridiculous. Uh, Edson Barboza, uh, it, again, I don't know if you're going to call him an all-time great, quote-unquote. I don't know if he puts together the resume that you know makes him a top 10 uh, fighter in his weight division of all time. But pound for pound, entertainment value, I'll, I'll take season tickets to Edson Barboza's career. When he came out, like he was kind of the next generation of striker. Yeah. And I remember when he made his debut, because Sean Shirk, I think, was just on the brink of retirement then, thinking, oh, God, oh, like, yeah. this guy is going to kill Sean. Yeah. And... And the fight never happened, and I think I think they might even I think Sean might have fought uh, Dunham, Evan Dunham, mm -hmm. on that same card, and I think that was why I was like, yeah, his his time is up. It, it's funny how the generations um, still are evolving when it comes to mixed martial arts and the striking that we see displayed. Because a guy like Edson Barboza. Um, like his style of striking, don't get me wrong, is 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 super progressive and and super exciting. But the the fact that he's throwing the techniques that he is isn't like groundbreaking in the sense that no one has ever thrown those techniques. Those techniques have have happened. They've happened in mixed martial arts for twenty years. But the ability to throw those strikes with confidence and not like the the fact that Edson Barboza is a mixed martial artist who can stand in front of you and throw those techniques, but not be crippled with fear of getting taken down, that's what allows him to execute. And 15 years ago, guys that had the striking ability of Edson Barboza, they were never going to go into a cage and, and fight anyone that had the ability to take them down because it just the minute that they threw one strike like that, uh, you know, a, a jump knee, uh, a wheel kick, anything like that, there'd be a wrestler that took you down and because you are so skilled in striking, that's all you've ever focused on in your entire life, you don't have an answer. Edson Barboza is that new generation, new breed of fighter that can stand in front of you, um, trade, spin, throw those strikes with confidence, sit down on the punches and kicks and has the ability to get back up or, or even threaten you into a scramble and whatnot. So th that's where I think... Uh, Edson is that sort of new breed uh, of fighter because, I mean, to have those skills and techniques and, and be able to launch them without basically going, okay, this is this is all or nothing with every single one of those strikes because uh, that, that's how it was back in the day. You could, you could do a, a lot of those uh, techniques, but if you got taken down, you were a fish out of water. Edson Barboza is far from a fish out of water. 
Uh, I don't know how long you want to go with this, but let's let's say that Nick Lentz was Sean Shirk 2.0. Okay. Would you would you agree with that a little bit? That, I, without a doubt, for sure. Uh, okay. How do you think a matchup between Nick Lentz and Edson Barbosa would look? Not necessarily how it would turn out, but just Ooh. like how would it look? Um, honestly, I could see that fight being a bit like Wonderboy Thompson and Tyron Woodley from a week ago where you have some hesitancy on both sides, but at any point, at any point, you could see uh, Barboza land some sort of highlight reel stuff, and at any point, I think Lentz would be able to get a takedown and maybe secure some position, but uh, it's not a bad fight by any means, I don't think, and whoever wins that fight, I think Lentz, Lentz's best bet in that bout would be to take a decision, and Barboza... To me, Barboza would probably overwhelm him and, and get him out of there with strikes. Yeah, that'd be a that'd be a good fight. I don't I don't know. I think is Nick Lentz back at fifty five or where is he? Yeah, he's now? back at fifty five now. Yeah, that would be fun. Get him back in the mix. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at Nick Lentz right now. Why does this guy look like Conor McGregor? You know he. I think he was he was struggling to find his identity for a while there after he left Minnesota, went to the American Top Team, and was trying to kind of come out a little bit. Because, like, you and I both know he's he's not, like, the most social person usually. No. And and he's not super talkative. Like he, Unless he's, you're talking about Hillary Clinton on Facebook. Well, well yeah, even that. Like, he's definitely stepped up a lot in that department. But, like, when we were training with him, he didn't really talk too much. He, he didn't really show a lot about he, – he was – I don't know, almost like a, like a comic book nerd type kid. You know, he kind of kept to his own, but he was a savage. And there were points where, yeah, he dressed up and he would have like the bow tie and things. And he would he would start to almost emulate like what Connor was doing. And then he would start like talking trash on the Internet like Connor was doing. And, you know, it it worked to an extent. You know, it kind of got him a lot more recognition. Yeah. No, it's 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 interesting. The first time I met. So I didn't train at Team Bison when Nick Lentz was there. And I didn't train at the academy. So you, you were around Nick a lot more than I was. The first time I ever actually met Nick was at UFC 123 when he fought um, Tyson Griffin. And I walked up to him and, and, you know, Minnesota nice. like That's a thing, right? Mm-hmm. Do you agree with that? Yes. Um, I walked up to him and I was like, hey, Nick, I'm, I'm TJ. I'm from Minnesota. I work for SureDog, but I used to train with Mike Riley and buddies with Caleb Quinn and he just looked at me with just this sideways glance like okay what what am I supposed to do with this information and like I just want to be like hi how are you like what's up man what's going on and he's like just okay and I was like man he must not be from Minnesota he's not super warm and welcoming to me we're, we're statesmen and then I was like, oh, no, that's just how Nick Lentz is. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was going to say. But, like, that first time, I was like, oh, okay. And then he's warmed up to me a little bit over the years. Uh, but, I mean, if Nick Lentz was, like, hanging out at a place, I don't think he'd sit at my lunch table just because I'm from Minnesota. Where most people would. Well, and I feel like back then you know he would be the kid who was kind of like off in the corner at the lunch table not really talking to anyone not really socializing right whereas now i feel like he's made an effort to where he might be kind of 
at the cool kids lunch table now and maybe even trying to like be loud and, 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 you know, get attention on him, which is a great thing for his career, you know, and socially it's a great thing for him too. But like, I I've seen just like his progression socially over the last few years. And he's like, people don't really realize this cause they don't, they've probably never met him, but he's changed a lot in the last few years. Are you saying that I don't sit at the cool kids table? Uh, you know, you might swing by the cool kids table with a notepad and a pencil and, you know, what? try to interview the football star. How dare you? <laughs> it's not very nice. Well, at least I'll be sitting with you at the lame kids table. No response? I mean, I'm not going to deny that. Right. I'll be the coolest kid at the lame kids table for sure. Ah, king of the dipshits. <laughs> yes. Um... What else happened last night? Uh, did you see the um, the Betch Cohea and uh, uh, Marion Renault fight? Yeah, I was going to say we had another draw. That was a pretty big deal. Uh, I agreed with the draw. I thought that it was probably 10-9, 10-9, and then 10-8. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was a pretty good back-and-forth fight. Mm -hmm. But that, that third round, you really have to hand it to Betch because she was getting throttled there for a bit and she just kept in it, you know? Yeah. There, there were points where I thought, oh my gosh, this fight is going to be stopped. And then all of a sudden she would belly down and grab a single leg and, and sit up with it and turn. And now she's got a good position. And then she got swept and she's getting beat again. And it was like she was never out of the fight. Yep. Um, I'm not a huge gambler. I do like looking at prop bets. But with this new sort of interpretation of what a 10-8 round is for these judges, the plus 5,000 prop bet on a draw on any given fight, if you like to throw a little money around, I mean, it might be worth throwing a little money on some of these fights where uh, you could foresee someone losing two rounds and then coming back with a big 10-8. Because uh, while it's, it's quote-unquote a wasted bet, it's like if you put a little bit of money down, it only needs to hit once, right? Plus 5,000. Well, also think about the, the reverse of that for someone like Hector Lombard who could come out and absolutely annihilate the first round sure. and then drop the two following rounds. No doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, come out and have a just a vicious, savage 10-8 but largely be spent and then just hold on for the next 10 minutes for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I like draws. I don't hate draws. I, uh, I mean, what's the old analogy? It's like kissing your sister. Like, uh, that's a bad analogy. But like, I don't. You don't lose anything in a draw, and I don't think that uh, anything's bad, uh, really, with a draw. Uh, do it again if you want to, or don't. You know what I mean? It's. It. I don't think it really. I mean, unless it's like a title fight, or unless it's a, a number one contendership fight. And I think that though all those fights essentially should be five rounds, where a draw is less likely. Um, I, I, I don't have bad feelings at all for uh, draws. And, and I think that you're going to see this movement towards this 10-8 being used a bit more liberally going forward. But within a year or two, if we see a lot more draws, I think there's going to be backlash on the 10-8 uh, just because they don't want to draw. Like, I, I really think... I, that could, I could foresee this creating a five rounds for all fights argument. Th there are certain fights that I think definitely need to be five rounds and uh, i mean you remember shudo right like shudo had uh, uh this the different classes there was like class a shudo class b shudo 
Um, if you are a class A fighter, in in my opinion, in the top ten or top fifteen in the UFC, you probably shouldn't be fighting less than three or less than five rounds. Um, you know the 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 talk lately has been about these interim titles, and I know that uh, Nurmagomedov and Ferguson didn't happen. But if there wasn't an interim title on that fight, it would have been three rounds. And having guys at that caliber fight one another and have it only be a three-round fight is ludicrous. This is insane. Why would you want to take away 10 minutes from two of the best athletes in their division? I yeah, mean, no, I, I agree with you completely with that. Jordan uh, Green. And also, like, the lower level, and I think this is probably why they did it in Shudo, was the lower level people might really struggle to get through a five-round fight, and especially to make it an entertaining five-round right. fight. So maybe it is something that you need to work up to, just like you would have to work up to a headlining spot on a UFC card. Exactly. I mean, I don't have a problem with the fight pass prelims and maybe even the FS1 prelims being three-round fights, but you get to the pay-per-view. If you're on a UFC pay-per-view, you should be fighting over the course of five rounds because this goes back to what I've talked about with the Eddie Bravo Invitational as well. Um, you have that, that long... We'll call it the endurance round, the regulation round, 10 minutes. And if there's no submission, then you go to overtime where you have to get tactical and tactical in a hurry. And if you don't, you know, really change your game up when you get to overtime, you can lose a match because you don't understand the tactics as much. I, again, I think the biggest uh, factor that Gary Tonin had when, when defeating uh, Vinny Megalish was the fact that he was more tactical. He knew what positions he wanted to start in in his overtime periods, and and it was really good for him. He did well there. Um, when you're fighting over the course of three rounds compared to five rounds, I mean the narrative is you know five round fight is a marathon, three round fight is a sprint. I mean that's true, especially if you drop a round at all. Like all of a sudden you lose the first round ten nine. You got to sprint. You got to try to, you know, you can't, you can't drop another round. And you know, if if for whatever reason you lose a point or um, you you drop a, a ten eight, like now the best you're hoping for if you don't get a finish is a a, a draw. Like I mean, I don't know. I, I I'm really on board with five round fights for fights that really matter when it comes to divisional rankings. Um, I've softened on this a little bit just because I've seen a lot of fights go five rounds and be pretty brutal on the bodies of the athletes. But Jordan Breen made a strong argument for championship fights to be seven rounds. And that is a lot. It is a lot. Especially, like, I mean, you look at like a, a Rich Franklin versus uh, Evan Tanner. Like that was just a brutal championship bout. Um, Rich Franklin versus uh, David Loazzo. Uh, again, just like... A fight where both athletes at the end of it look like they got hit by a truck. Um, it, it's hard to think that we could see seven rounds of that. That's that's not great. But, I mean, I, I know that no one really wants to see this right now, but it's fresh in your mind. Um, Tyron Woodley and Steven Thompson, we finally saw some action in the last, you know, 45 seconds of round number five. Was Steven Wonderboy Thompson, was he going to be the same in round six or seven? Had they happened? Would we have a more definite finish? Would we have more satisfying result? Yeah, but that's assuming that the action really kicked off in, in the fifth round. Right. They had known that there was going to be seven. 
Exactly. It may have been where they sat right. back until the seventh round. Right. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I again, I've softened on it quite a bit. Uh, I think it's a lot to ask of these fighters to go seven rounds, but uh, I don't know. I'm definitely on board for more five round fights. So, uh, what else we got? We got uh, Jimmy Manoa fighting Corey Anderson coming up this Saturday, and then in uh, what do we got here? Three weeks. It's a long time until UFC 210. It, it seems like the the duration between numbered events is getting longer. Um, Dan Cormier, Anthony Johnson, too. Are you excited for that fight? You know... <laughs> Doesn't sound like it. it. it be, well, this is the thing. Like, If John Jones had never existed, I would probably be excited for that fight. You know, yeah. I would probably be like, oh, I can't wait. Anthony Johnson's got so much power and, and DC's such a, a grinder. It, it could be a really good fight. You know, it, it, it'd be almost like as excited I was for uh, Khabib and Tony. Mm-hmm. But knowing that John Jones exists kind of just it almost casts a shadow on those guys to be like, yeah, sure. You, you won this fight and you're the, the better fighter of those two guys. Right. But. What about John Jones? Right. You know, it's it's really hard to get excited when the guy most people, if not everyone, thinks is the absolute best is sidelined. And and it's one thing, like so when George St. Pierre walked away, I don't think anyone really felt that way about Johnny Hendricks and Robbie Lawler because it's like, oh, George is on the shelf, he's done. But John is not done. John's just being John Jones. You know what I mean? He's he's perfectly able. Um, I feel bad for Dan Cormier because he's the best 205 pounder in the world right now, but he's not. And uh, yeah, that's exactly it. That's exactly it. You're, I I would even feel better about it if John Jones and Dan Cormier haven't fought. You know what I mean? Like the fact that again, not only is Cormier the greatest 205 pound fighter in the world right now, but he's not. And we saw what happened when they fought each other. So uh, it'd be one thing to just value George St. Pierre or John Jones over the rest of their competition, but have it be potential. Like, oh, you can make an argument that Dan Cormier could beat John Jones. And, and you can still. I mean, right well, now. Just like with Johnny Hendricks, a lot of people thought that he beat George right. St. Pierre. I thought so he did. I he kind of had that momentum behind him when he, he went into title contention against Robbie Lawler and yeah. and. and Carlos Condit and all those guys. That's he was kind of building his resume, but uh, with with DC, it's no he. I don't want to say he got spanked, but mm-hmm. like John Jones worked him, you know. And we never got to see Anthony Johnson fight John Jones, but we did see Anthony Johnson fight DC, and he got choked out, you right. know. And so, but he dropped if you just DC, look at though. MMA math. You're you still got John Jones on this pedestal. Yeah, MMA math. I don't like MMA math. I don't like math in general. I need you to teach me how to do division, though. Like I don't, I don't do this Common Core nonsense. I mean, I you say nonsense, but I tell you right now, if I teach you how to do it with partial quotients, you will be like, "Well, why didn't they teach this?" In I don't even know what a there. quotient is, but all right, that's the answer it. to a division problem. Got it. Uh, I know. What's a product? Is that the answer to a multiplication problem? Yes. Yeah. See. I remember like two things from school. Product is the uh, answer to a multiplication problem. And uh, ribosomes and cells 
are like the powerhouse of a cell and they deal with like protein so there you go that's it that's all i got they usually refer to the nucleus as the powerhouse of the cell though mm, nucleus is like the yeah but i'm telling you ribosomes they're where it's that's at. where it's at. That's where it's at. <laughs> Regardless if there's a John Jones out there. Right. Exactly. DC is the number one guy. DC is the real ribosome. <laughs> what better way to end this radio program? Mr. Quinn, appreciate your time. Thanks for getting up early because we sprung ahead, which is just throwing everything off. And uh, I'm ready to go about my day. Any plans for your Sunday? I'm going to cruise down to 10th Planet and hit the open mat. We've got Boogie and uh, his brother coming in to do a seminar in two weeks, I think. And yeah, I've just, I've been, I've been trying to train a lot more, you know, like during the school year, I was kind of like, oh, I'm going to lift weights three days a week and train two days a week. And now I've just been more like, you know what, I want to train five days a week and maybe I'll lift weights on the weekends if I have time. I think we need to get you a fight in August at Tachi Battles Fights. I really want that to happen. Yeah, I don't know about that. But uh, <laughs> you do have Tachi Palace coming up soon. I know that. May 18th, yeah. Uh, Cody Gibson taking on Adrian Diaz. Uh, it's champion versus champion. I think this one for the 145-pound belt. So uh, hopefully I'm not announcing things that uh, shouldn't be announced. But I'm pretty sure that's out there. And if it's not, well... Uh, I didn't say it, but I did. So, sorry. It'll be exciting. Uh, Invicta FC coming up here in about two weeks as well. Uh, so hopefully you'll check that out over on UFC Fight Pass. That's the big rematch, right? Yeah, Tanya Avenger, Yana Kuniskaya. Uh, we're going to have a more finite answer, hopefully, to who uh, the best bantamweight in the Invicta FC ranks are. Uh, Avenger lost, quote-unquote, to Kuniskaya due to an armbar, but... That was overturned due to referee's interference, and uh, we're going to do it again. Do you, are you going to have the ability to, or are they going to have the ability to pick the referee in that fight so that um, they'll get a more experienced referee? Mike England is not an inexperienced referee. He just made a mistake. Um, and you can talk about his ability all you want to. I'll leave that up to everyone else out there to make their decision on if England is a, is a fine referee or a bad referee. But uh, for the most part, uh, he's the man that is assigned. Um, the other option, it's usually Mike England or Greg Franklin, uh, Rich's brother, that are the uh, officials in Kansas City. I believe we've had some other referees there in the past in KC, but uh, names aren't coming so it's not really an option for like a Herb Dean or a Big John. No, to come I mean in. they've been assigned, they've been brought in for sure. But I, again, I don't. That that's up to the athletic commission who's available. I mean it's it's not it's not something that Shannon Knapp is doing. She's not bringing in referees and assigning them to matches per se. Um, okay. So I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean I love to see John. I mean John has definitely refed Invictus in Kansas City before. Um, it'd be interesting to see John there, but, uh, yeah, I don't know if I was Tim Lukanoff, the director of Missouri, I would assign someone other than Mike England and not a disrespect to Mike England, but he was the controversy in the first bout. It would just make sense to not have him be in the second bout. And, uh, not to say that Mike England won't ref another Tanya Avenger fight in the future. Cause that's fine. But you know, the last fight had Mike England this time, I'd make sure it's Greg Franklin or whoever is his partner. Um, I don't, I don't believe 
really at any level anymore that there's only one referee on a show. Uh, those days are long gone. Um, well, and if you are the one referee on a show, by the time you get to the main event, you're exhausted, and mistakes like this are probably more likely to happen. So right. it's definitely makes sense for them to have a team of referees. I will say this about Tanya Evinger. Tanya Evinger is a gritty, grindy fighter. Um, you know, she represents what she calls Team Filthy. She's a filthy fighter in the sense that everything that she does looks painful and looks terrible. And when Tanya Evinger stands on her opponent's face, it doesn't look legal. Trust me. It looks terrible. But that is Tanya Evinger. And, uh, yeah, I'm excited to see what happens. I'm excited. I mean, Kuniskaya, you can talk about whatever you want to with the ending and how it ended. Uh, Kuniskaya was not given that arm bar. She got it. She earned mm-hmm. it. And uh, unfortunately for Kuniskaya, um, some controversy set in, which robbed her from uh, retaining the championship that she won from Tanya Evinger that night. But uh, we'll see what happens. We'll see if Tanya is comfortable with going to the floor with Kuniskaya, who, again, by trade is a kickboxer. So, uh, yeah, I'm excited. March 25th, a couple weeks away, UFCFightPass.com. All part of that ten month, uh, $10 a month uh, subscription. So we'll be back next week. Um, trying to figure out what will happen when I'm in uh, Invicta, when I'm at Invicta. Uh, I'll bring the radio gear, so we might be able to do it from the road. I don't know what my travel schedule is, though, but uh, we'll figure it out. It should be fun. Mr. Quinn, appreciate your time today. Enjoy your week, and uh, we'll chat to you in about seven days. Take it easy. This has been MMA Evolution on the Sure Dog Radio Network. The preceding podcast was a TJ DeSantis production. Comments, questions, and inquiries can be directed to DeSantisProd at gmail.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.